Peter's second epistle was written about A.D. 66, shortly after his first epistle and a short while before his death. There are striking similarities between 2 Peter and 2 Timothy. Both epistles warns us of the apostasy that was to come. Both Peter and Paul speak in a joyful manner of their approaching deaths. Paul said that he knew that the time of his departure had come. He had finished his course. He had fought a good fight and he had kept the faith. A crown of righteousness was laid up for him. You will find that same triumphant note here in Second Peter, as Peter also faced the prospect of debt. Both apostles anchored the church on the scriptures, on the word of God, as the only defense against the coming storm of apostasy. Peter will show us how to withstand the apostasy, and that is through knowledge. Not only through faith in Christ, not only believing in him, but also to know Christ. The great subject of this epistle is going to be not only the apostasy, but also truly getting to know Christ. Now, where is this knowledge and how does it come to us? Peter lets us know that knowledge comes through the word of God. The more we spend time in God's word the more of the knowledge of God we receive and the more we learn about him. And the more of God's word we apply to our lives, the more we become like him. This is how we get to know him. You see, the Christian life is more than just being born again. It's about growth and development. The key to the entire epistle is the last verse, which says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. And on this wonderful note, let us begin our journey through this great epistle, Second Peter chapter 1, and let us begin with verse number 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith, with us through the righteousness of God and of and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Peter calls himself here the servant of Jesus Christ. The word servant here is doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S, which really means slave. Here is a title, one of humiliation, which the greatest of men took as a title of greatest honor. Moses, the great, the great leader and lawgiver, was the servant of God. Joshua, the great commander, was the servant of God. David, the greatest of the kings, was the servant of God. In the New Testament, Paul is the servant of Jesus Christ. A servant is a title that both James and Jude proudly claimed. In the Old Testament, the prophets are the servants of God. And in the New Testament, the Christians are the servants of God. There is deep meaning here. A servant of God is one who totally belongs to God. It is one who owes an unquestioning obedience to God. Listen, a master's command 
was a slave's only law in ancient times. In any situation, the Christian has but one question to ask, and that is, Lord, what will you have me do? All right, look at verse number two. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now he says his grace and peace be multiplied. Grace and peace are always in this order. Grace, it always precedes peace. We must first know the grace of God before we can experience the peace of God. We must first know the grace of God, that God has saved us, not through our merit or our character or because of anything in us, but he has saved us because of his love for us. He loved us enough to die for us on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins, which made it possible for him to reach down and save us. We were saved by the grace of God. And once you experience the grace of God, you then experience the peace of God. Paul says this in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how is the grace and peace of God multiplied in one's life? How does it continue to increase in one's life? The answer is simple. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. All right, verse number three. According as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now, always remember that Christ's love is backed by his power and is therefore a victorious love. He bestows on us all things necessary for successful living. Peter is saying that Jesus Christ tells us what life is and then enables us to live it as it ought to be lived. God has given us the power to live holy, and as we grow in the knowledge of God, we become more and more like him. God has called us to glory and virtue. In other words, God has called us to be like him, and he has called us to excellence and courage. The word virtue means you have the courage to excel in life. And glory is the very essence of God. God has called us to operate in his glory, his power to shine in this dark world, showing forth him walking in excellence. All right, look at verse number four. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Listen, all the promises of God are yea and amen. And we see here that God has given us some exceeding great and precious promises. We are partakers of his divine nature and we have a new way of living. All right, verse five. And besides this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Listen, the Christian life is about growing and developing in God. 
we must take our Christian life very serious. Peter instructs us to give all diligence to our Christian life. In other words, we are to give God our best effort all day, every day. And Peter lists the different attributes which are to characterize our growth. He begins by saying, add to your faith virtue. Now, down through the centuries, some English words have changed their meanings, and virtue is one of them. Virtue to the Romans of the first century meant much more than chastity. It characterized the very finest Roman manhood, which was strength, valor, courage, and excellence. Peter is saying here, listen, have the courage to stand for that which is right and to stand up and be counted for God. Therefore, Peter is saying, add to your faith courage. Then he says to add to your virtue knowledge. There is a saying, the more you know, the further you will go. Listen, that this is the true saying across the board. The more you know in life, the further you will go in life. By the same token, the more you know of God's word, the more you will grow in God. God wants us to grow in him. Then Peter instructs us to, to add temperance to our knowledge. In other words, we ought to be self-controlled in every area of our lives. Then he says, add patience to our temperance. Patience is being able to endure when trials come. Patience is endurance. It is built upon knowledge and courage. Like a growing tree, a Christian should be developing courage, knowledge, self-control, and endurance. And then we ought to add godliness to our patience. Godliness means to be like God. Then add to godliness brotherly kindness. We ought to be kind-hearted people. We ought to show forth kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity, which is the greatest of all, the love of God. We ought to show forth the love of God in this earth. Verse, verse number eight. For if these things be in you, and abound. They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an interest shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, Peter is simply saying here, make sure that your life lines up with your profession of being a Christian. The word Christian means Christ-like. Every time you tell someone that you are a Christian, you are saying that you are Christ-like. Now, if your action do not line up with your words, then you need to check yourself. If you constantly check yourself, making sure that your life lines up with the word of God, then you shall never fall. First of all, you have to be sure of your salvation. You have to know without a doubt that your salvation is eternal. Too many of God's people are hoping to make it in rather than knowing that they will make it in. When you truly come to an understanding that your salvation is forever, you will give all diligence in producing a life that is pleasing to God. 
All right, look at verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Peter says here, listen, as long as I am with you in the flesh, I will constantly remind you of these important things you must do. He goes on to say that in a little while, he will depart from this life. And he know this because Jesus had already showed him. And he says, even after I am gone, I want you to continue to do the things I have taught you. All right. Verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I like that. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Now here Peter speaks about his experience with Jesus, which is recorded in Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 2, which reads, And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringing them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Peter says here that they were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They saw it firsthand. What a testimony. What a testimony. All right. Look at verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private invitation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Let me read these verses from the Living Bible. It says, so we have seen and proved that what the prophets said came true. You would do well to to pay close attention to everything they have written. For like lights shining into dark corners, their words help us to understand many things that otherwise would be dark and difficult. But when you consider the wonderful truth of the prophet's words, then the light will dawn in your souls, and Christ the morning star will shine in your hearts. For no prophecy recorded in Scripture was ever thought up by the prophet himself. It was the Holy Spirit within these godly men who gave them true messages from God.